Welcome to School of Everything Else, Hades. This is a commissioned show from a variety of folks from our Discord, some of whom are here tonight. The show was commissioned by Nicholas Jaragoski, Jesse Ferguson, Chris Finnick, Toby Jungius, Mackenzie Eastrom, Maya Santandrea, and Loretta Saylor. And as it turns out, quite a few people wanted to be on the guest roster for this one, so I think we have the biggest lineup since the Shira show. So a big hello to Maya Santandrea. Death approaches! <laughs> Victoria Luna B. Grieve. The power of the hunt keeps me company. Loretta Saylor. You've got quite this fighting spirit there, I have to say. <laughs> Matt Wardle. <laughs> Greg Downing. Oh, look, floor euros. Five second roll. That was five seconds, right? And Toby Youngius. You do not deserve the beans until you learn how to use the tin opener, boy. (laughs) (laughs) And this time around, while Alex has played some of Hades, it's me that's really been racking up the hours, so he suggested I drive this time. So apologies in advance. He is here as a moderator to poke us all with sticks when we start running long, as we all want to do on this show. (laughs) And there are quite a few of us. So, with as many guests as we have, we are going to have to hone in and focus rather than exhaustively trying to discuss absolutely every aspect of this game that some have played for hundreds of hours and are still playing. (laughs) Given that we have such a big pantheon for this one, we're going to keep it simple with three key questions to explore it in three sections. First of all, what themes have we found are heavily present in the game? Secondly, how does the gameplay express those themes? And thirdly, how are the vivid ensemble cast used to explore those themes? And we can start with a relatively spoiler-free orientation section before moving on to spoiler-filled, deeper-level stuff. So we don't know when that's going to be. I'm just going to go, right, from this point onwards, it feels like spoiler town. Mm. So we'll we'll, we'll let you know, folks. But it goes themes, mechanics... Characters, yeah, in that order, absolutely. As opposed to Hades Town, which is a very different thing. <laughs> so I am going to start with a very brief summation of the, uh, let's say, premise of the game. You are Zagreus, son of Hades, and you've decided you're sick of working in administration. You try to battle your way out of the underworld to find your real mother, Persephone, and you die a lot. That's it, pretty that's much. That's it. That's, that's my opening gambit. <laughs> if you folks haven't played the game and for some reason haven't listened to anyone who talks about video games over the past, what, half year, um, talk about it. You are reborn from a pool of blood at the very, in, in your father's house, your mm-hmm. father being Hades, and you get to chat with the staff of his house and the family hanging around his house. But you also get to, um, I suppose... 
Skype with um, Olympus, and they, uh, like the individual gods up there, will be amused, <laughs> interested, and uh, uh, somewhat invested in your struggle to escape. So they will send you their blessings, which usually manifest themselves as different loadouts and uh, w- weapon and boosts and things. Absolutely, yeah. So, uh, does anybody have anything that they want to say about the basic essence of the game? The game is all about cycles in terms of like at the very beginning we're talking about the cycle of death and how literally every time you die the either Hades himself or the game itself informs you there is no escape Um, and so therefore when you're experiencing this the very nature of the game requires you to die over and over again in order to progress the story. Like, there are some things that will only come when you continue to interact with people, but very often you only get one chance to interact with them over the course of a single playthrough, meaning from the beginning when you leave the under or rather when you leave Hades's home and travel out into the underworld you get as far as you can you die and that basically resets the clock or resets the station and gives you new opportunities to interact with new people with the people that you've already met and learn more about the situation as it happens and that actually ties into one of the key themes that I'd noted down, which was um, the idea of relationship in repetition. Mm. And that within the boundaries of this game, and I would argue extending into real life, building relationships is about small, regular moves that build up over time, rather than uh, developing your... um, Uh, your rapport with somebody by a big singular mission that you Mm. you know where you're trying to prove yourself to somebody it's not about that it's about going through these little repetitious loops and building up the um the connection that you have with people that way with multiple people at the same time it's it's not Mm. about find this one person and make them your bestie and honestly that doesn't feel like it should be an unusual concept because if you break it down to its base concepts that is mortal life we get up in the morning we often have stuff that we're planning to do whether it's a job or taking care of kids or whatever activities we have planned for our normal day we interact with people during the day and, you know, maybe they move on and are doing something else because, you know, we only cross paths occasionally. And then we come to the end of the day and we fall asleep. It's not the same as death, but you stop thinking for a while or at the very least your consciousness takes on a different form. Hmm. So, And you get a break and you can put down whatever battle you were having up to that point. Hopefully. Yeah. Mm. There, there is a reset that happens when you go to sleep for the night and wake up mm. the next morning. Mm. Notably. You approach your bed, I'm not tired. <laughs> <laughs> or you could just say, I don't feel like laying down right now. I just prefer to keep moving. <laughs> I'll sleep when I'm dead. He prefers exactly. metaphysical <laughs> sleep. 
Okay. But I think, Greg, that's a that's a good point of that. Just bringing up the the theme of death as part of this game. It's such a. I mean, it's like it's almost the entire game, really. It's mm -hmm. it's such a huge part of it that you can't really you can't really understate it. It's um it's one of the things that ties the whole thing together. Every time you go out and do a run or try to escape, some form of death will end up taking you all the way up until the point where. And this is, I don't know if we are cool with going into spoilers right now, if that's all right. No? Okay. It's early, early days. <laughs> Can you put a pin in it? I will put a pin in that. Cool. But death occurs over and over again. And I, one of the things that I really like about games like this that kind of set it apart from um, games like maybe the, the Demon Souls, Dark Souls, Bloodborne games, where death is a part of the narrative in those, but... In this one, it feels like it actually rewards you rather than punishing you. Yeah. So death is still very much a part of the narrative of this game, but there's always some reward for it. So you don't really mind as much, or at least I didn't. Um, you don't really lose a whole lot. There's always something to do in death once it happens. So it doesn't feel like the game is punishing you over and over again for failing. Every time you fail, you learn something again and not just how to play the game better, but you learn something from different characters, more of the story unfolds, etc. Victoria. Uh, to go off on that, actually, unlike a lot of other roguelike games, it's almost better in Hades to botch a run because there's an excitement for, now I get to advance conversation with all of the other people back home and I get to explore different elements. It's not something like Enter the Gungeon that's really really punishing and really really like vertical in its difficulty level hades is a roguelike that people who don't like roguelikes can love and i think a part of that like a to jump off of that another theme of this game that i think is really important is kindness it's what you do during mm. those cycles it's really really important no matter who zagreus meets whether it is some famous mortal shade or the very bosses that he fights he absolutely treats them with respect and kindness with s sort of one notable exception, but it's more of like a wrestling heel face kind of relationship, but that's beside <laughs> the point. Uh, that even like the avatars of things that should be scary are themselves like interesting, kind characters who you like learn from and interact with over time. I mean, even the most monstrous boss in the game gets characterization and kindness towards it. And it's really important to me that that is the overall, like, what you do with the time, with the cycles, with the days, as you were putting it. Jumping off from that, I think it's important that so much of this develops over time, that it's not a single action, a single uh, loyalty mission that you do that secures a character being your bestie for the rest of the run it's that you have to you check in with people and you could play the entire game and never check in with someone and I think the game not only works I think there's some unique dialogue that takes that into account but I think with each of the relationships that players tend to want to sort of foster it is about putting in the time and I think that's very true to life and a great way of showing it is that change doesn't happen all at once with one significant action and 
even uh, uh, well, I'll say that for later. But the the significant moments in the game don't just happen and then that's the end of that significant moment. You keep returning to it. You keep facing it, and likewise, you keep encountering the same people, changing from interacting with them, going from. Zagreus goes from a mindset where he says, I'm leaving, uh, don't bother doing this because I won't be back, to sort of accepting that even if his goal is to leave, that for the foreseeable future he's going to be around for a while. So he puts in effort, or if the player chooses to, he puts in that effort with people. Loretta. Well, you're also kind of encouraged to put in that effort with people, too. I mean, uh, if you notice, if you, for example, start giving nectar to certain characters, you'll get, uh, like, things to be able to summon them. Uh, you'll get um, little gifts here and there. Um, one of my very first was, I mean, am I allowed to say this or is this kind of counted as spoiler? We don't know what it is. <laughs> All right. Oh, well, I mean, I was going to say, if it's like, early in the game, things, go for it. Yeah, yeah. Uh, one of my very first things is that if you give nectar to uh, Achilles, you get a bracer, and that made that made like my next few gameplays actually a lot easier. So you kind of have to, uh, especially if you want to unlock certain weapons and be able to get past certain points more easily. You, it encourages you to interact with people. That dog, Cerberus, got way more nectar than he deserved. I was just trying to pet him. <laughs> he deserves he all the nectar. He was just getting all of the nectar. He was like, no, oh, he you deserves all the brushy brushy. <laughs> no, strong disagree. He got all of the nectar and, and probably less than he deserved. Okay, he's the goodest boy. He gets all the treats. That is hard to he's argue the best. with. The favor you get from Cerberus yeah. that you might have accidentally give him, given him nectar and he gives you the, the collar oh, the color. is oh, yeah. one of the strongest mechanical elements in the early game to mm -hmm. keep you going. So just because you want to go and pet the dog, you are rewarded mm -hmm. if you hit the wrong button, so to speak, like you were over saying. And over again. <laughs> but uh, you are rewarded in this way that you can, that it will make your runs a little easier until you get the hang of it. Matt, did you have something? Yeah, that's actually funny. My uh, my auto tweets when I stream Hades, it, it says Hades, pet the doggo. <laughs> so, <laughs> um, but, you know, a, a, as usual in the past, Victoria has been a bad influence on me and started me off with Let It Die as a big rogue game, which I never did want to let it die because that game, you got punished real hard if if you lost it. And, you know, with this, uh, the, the, the loss is not such a loss. And in fact, you know, for someone like me, I enjoy the being able to, as, you know, Jin would call me social butterfly to go from person to person to person to person, because that's really my kind of mindset is trying to develop way too many uh, <coughs> relationships at once. <laughs> but for me, that it's really comforting and, uh, and, I really enjoyed the fact of trying to, you know, there are some games you're just like, oh, just one more run. This game was just like, okay, just one more run. And you know you're lying to yourself. Mm -hmm. It's going, uh, just 10 more runs mm -hmm. you know, going through this cycle. So I, I found this um, to be an extremely, you know, almost nigh on uh, uh, infinite, infinite replayability, you know, right now. Um, so I, the amount of hours I put into this is just 
unbelievable. I never thought I'd like it that much. The whole just one more run uh, phenomenon. I, uh, full <clears throat> disclosure, I have been playing this whilst working from home. Shh, don't tell my bosses. Um, but <laughs> basically the, the job that I do requires me to be present, but generally speaking, not uh, continually working on a task. I'm, I'm sitting there waiting for calls to come in. You get for chunks a lot of free of time when most yeah. people will be playing. Yeah, I can't necessarily pack up and get up and go and do something else because I have to have my headset on and be ready to take a call. But having this on the switch and having it in my hands and being able to just pause it and put it down on the sofa next to me and come back to it in a few minutes and always knowing that uh, you know it, just a few more minutes could potentially get me to the end of a run is one of the things that really has kept me going on this and Alex will vouch for this me finishing video games is such a rare occurrence it is mm. it almost never happens you almost finished Akami twice yes you've still got to finish I did. that boss I need to rush. do that end boss run yeah um but the there's something about this that has and the, again like I said <clears> the fact the platform is a big help because I have really taken to the switch but the way this doles out the uh the rewards has just clicked with me in a way that most games don't. So that's that's one of the reasons why it's it's really appealed to me. To look at another thematic area that I thought was really important and this is this kind of overlaps with the aesthetic and the the decision to make this game in <coughs> within Greek mythology which I will ask all of you to expand on shortly. Victoria, I'm looking at you. Um, <laughs> but the there's a very strong theme for me of personal myth and the narratives that we live our lives by. And in particular, the fact that throughout the story of this, what you learn is that A, the story is told in layers. So because you've got this cyclical repetition, you know a tiny bit about yourself and a tiny bit about the people around you. And then you do another run and then you know a bit more and then you know a bit more. And it's that that gradual building up of layers of detail and layers of depth that even by the time you get to the end of it, there is so much end game content. When I got to the end of the main story, I was really excited and I put it in the Discord and I was like, I've finished the main story. I'm so proud of myself. And then I went back to the, the, uh, the effect, effectively the quest <coughs> log and went, oh, there's loads more that I still have to do. <laughs> okay, excellent. Well, that means I don't have to put it down yet. Um, but the one of the key elements of the of this personal myth and personal narrative for me was because there are so many people here that Zagreus interacts with and gets their take on what he's trying to achieve, it has this theme of being able to see your own story through the eyes and the roles of the other people in it. So it's not just... You are not just... Johnny Template hero with a, a mission and a sword and you are going to get to the end of it. It's not about that. It's about how the people around you 
view what you're trying to do. Some of them are very supportive, some a little bit less so. Most of them want you to accomplish something, but they've got different ideas about what they think you ought to be accomplishing. Um, and ultimately, it's those interactions that are the, the driving force in you wanting to keep doing it. And you are trying to accomplish something very specific, which we will talk about in more detail once we get to the spoiler section. But ultimately, it's, it's more about what you're finding out that surrounds that. And ultimately, elements of that that have nothing to do with you, that are actually how the, the personal narratives of other people intersect with what you thought was the the main story, which is your personal story. As a, as a huge Greco-Roman mythology dork, uh, I geeked out about the fact that this game is like really true to a ton of myths and the characters with like really nuanced takes on them. Even Zagreus himself is like a really minor name in the myths that is sometimes conflated with Dionysus and sometimes the son of Hades and they expanded on that. But they also even reference that conflation in a dialogue you get with Dionysus, you play a joke on, on Orpheus. It's really good. But <laughs> the way that you were talking about this reminds me, because this is how my brain works, of the the play No Exit by Sartre. Because the whole concept yes. of hell is other people, but it's it's a different take on that. In this way, Hades is other people and how they reflect on you and how you reflect on them. Mm. And that's uh, why it's home, because it's other people. Yeah, and it, it becomes, because, you know, to, to call the Olympians a dysfunctional family feels like <laughs> the greatest understatement I've ever made. <laughs> And, <laughs> and and so the the whole thing like there's a strong element of found family but also renewing past relationships righting wrongs of your own past helping other people come to terms with the things that they've done or even like early on you meet the shade of sisyphus and i think that he's the most specific like appropriate person you can meet in the early levels because his whole Everybody knows the story of Sisyphus, right? He was an ancient king. He fooled death into not killing him and as punishment has to push a big rock up a hill forever as he's attacked and beaten by the Furies, the Erinies. But um, at the end of the day, did it always roll back down again and he has to start always, pushing again? Yeah, yeah but you meet him and, and it's so representative. It's so emblematic of your struggle to get out of the underworld where you always end up back at the beginning and you try again and again and again. And it is literally a Sisyphean task. Do you meet Tantalus so, by the way? Because there was some of that blended in there. No, too. You, you don't, I, but they, should you just like you run past someone in a pool going, ah! <laughs> could you just well, pass those over? They're so just, it's tantalizing if anything. There's a little bit of dialogue that references Tantalus in the okay. same way that there's a little bit of dialogue that talks about Hercules. And I'm super, like, I can't believe Hercules doesn't appear in the, in the game anywhere. DLC. But, um, but the fact that, like, when you meet Sisyphus, he's, like, super, he's, like, the chillest dude. He is mm. so, like, kind and, like, he has already been through the task that you are about to embark on and does not deserve the punishment that he's receiving. And so like a big part of your interaction with him is just to like get to know who he is and 
and and make friends with his big rock, Boldy. <laughs> um, and yeah, that it's it's just it's it's so wonderful. And the fact that you really do get to make your own narrative throughout this. Uh, one of the things that Supergiant really wanted to do, their previous game, Pyre, they incorporated a lot of branching narrative elements to it. It's a really good game, but it's very long and it's kind of hard to... Not many people went back and played it through again to actually experience any of that branching narrative. And they wanted to do that again, and they realized that a roguelike was a really good way to explore that kind of branching narrative to make a, a kind of procedurally generated story for yourself, because you'll always be doing these different things. But your own playthrough becomes very personal. Like, for instance, one of the things in the game you can eventually get to are, like, two boons. And if you choose one, the other god punishes you and, like, attacks you. Very simple. You get both boons in the end. Very Olympian. But I have never, in any of my playthroughs, my dozens and dozens of clears, I have never once voted against Artemis. Because (laughs) Artemis is my girl. Artemis has been my girl forever. I mean, like, feral woodland lesbian like come on now (laughs) but um but it's the fact that i loved her characterization and i had always loved her and i'm like i will never go against you like it doesn't matter who the other person is even if it's demeter and boy she messes me up but um i i will never ever vote against artemis and that's a personal choice that i made as part of my playthroughs conversely i will never pick aphrodite I can't wait to have you up in Olympus. I almost never pick against Ares either, but similarly, I will almost never pick against Demeter because who boy will she fuck you up (laughs) if you are not ready for her. So I I did just want to jump in a little bit about uh, going back to Sisyphus for a second. I I, I agree, uh, Victoria, with all of the stuff that you said. I think he is a, a fantastic side character to have in there. And it's very appropriate that he is one of those like early game characters. And I know we're spilling over into characters a little bit. I love the fact that he names the rock Boldy and it has a face. Like he <laughs> drew a face on it. Like it's Wilson, you know, <laughs> like I love that. Because about that it. makes so the task easier. And that's a, a big does. part of and, the whole thing. You're you relating would, and therefore yes. it's doable. And it's totally understand, like, it it fits in with the fact that, like, he has been doing this now for, like, this is his task for eternity. He's been doing this for a long time. He may have lost a couple of marbles along the way. So it totally makes sense that to, like, deal with this thing and to make it a little more tolerable and a little less lonely, he would draw a face on him and give him a name and try to characterize him a little bit more. And like, it's details like that that are just really, really awesome. Going back to the themes though for a second, I think the the idea that this is a Greek pantheon is like, it, it's so in keeping with the, the actual gameplay elements as well. This works so well for a roguelike because the Greek gods are so random and they do things just kind of on a whim anyway so the the fact that they can be uh you know quite random in their appearances and they seem to come and go just of their own will now you can guide that a little bit when you start to get boons from them because you can sort of pick ones and you can almost guarantee that they'll appear that comes in a little bit later but as you go you can kind of steer it in the direction that you want to a certain degree 
But still, you don't know if, say, Dionysus is just going to show up and start chatting with you. They just kind of do what they want. So it works perfectly with this type of game and this genre of game. And I just thought that was such an amazing choice by the developers to have it set up in that way. Well, I, I was going to... There was something else I wanted to say, but first I want to expand on what Maya was saying. Uh, there was one of the gods where you can actually choose to go see them and that's when chaos first starts to mm. uh, form and I thought that was also really interesting because um, there are entities in the underworld that are considered in inviable or invaluable I can't, sorry English is not my first language um, and so this is a word I've only learned by reading it uh, but inviable that includes the fates that includes chaos and I believe also Hecate um, and I'm probably mispronouncing her name. I'm so sorry. Um, I'm Albanian, not Greek. Sorry. But, um, <laughs> uh, chaos, you actually have to go in and kind of sacrifice a little bit of your life force to be able to enter, um, its chamber and to be able to interact with this being. And the boons are always kind of this double-edged sword, so, uh, and it's interesting to me that almost none of the other, of the other gods that you get something from them have any kind of a boon for that. And, I mean, you're rewarded for, for seeking out chaos, but at the same time you're punished for it. And you kind of have to earn that extra reward. Um, another thing too is in, um, uh, in, in families, at least out in the, uh, you know, on the Balkans, out in the, uh, eastern Eastern Europe, yeah. Um, I'm sorry, I can't talk today. All I had was a baked Alaska for breakfast. Um, <laughs> That's not <a> breakfast. <laughs> That's what it does. It's got dairy and carbohydrates to start. Hey, my usual breakfast is, is cream cheese and salmon on toast, okay? This this was my reward for cleaning the house. Are you a cat? <laughs> judge me. <laughs> yes, this is established. <laughs> No, uh, but the thing about um, about uh, Greco-Roman mythology and, and just mythology in general out in that part of the world is all drama comes from your family. And so mm. all stories are family stories. They're like, unless you go full no contact, which you almost never can, um, your family is going to be fully involved and invested in your life, whether you know it or not, or wh whether you whether you decide it or not. And it also goes with perhaps like the whims, uh, choices of these other outside forces are kind of what push you along. Like you don't, how do I put this? You have agency. You can choose which doors to go through. But given the choice, oh, hey, one door is a god fight and the other door is a pomegranate. I'm going to go in the pomegranate. <laughs> because uh, I, I've got a boon from, from both Zeus and Athena and um, they, they can both destroy me. I'm going to go this way. <laughs> yeah, I try to avoid the, the drama uh, ones. It seems like the Pantheon are bored and they are treating me as entertainment, which actually makes me a little bit nervous. I'm just, uh, you know what, I'm just going to, like, over here, I'm having to choose between two of you. Over here, just some darkness. I'll just be fine with the darkness. Thanks. Yeah. In the beginning, just for pure survivability aspects it can be better to go with the the simpler reward instead of the bigger one but 
But this is what roguelikes are built on. It is all risk-reward. Risk it's all high-risk-reward, which I happen to really love those type of games. I mean, one of my other favorite games that I play all the time is The Binding of Isaac. So, eh, you know, <laughs> like, <laughs> I seem to be strangely drawn to these kind of things that have a high-risk-reward. But then... I think once you get a little bit more comfort with how the game works and your own, like you kind of find your own play style as you go. And in that you find that, you know what, I can actually handle the little feuds between these two gods and I can actually pick the one that I would either prefer or the one that I don't want to fight because they're going to kill me. Mm -hmm. But I think that's a good point in that like the early game, you're probably going to avoid them because you don't have that much health, you don't really know how to play the game yet. You haven't unlocked a whole lot of stuff that will help you survive your run. So, so you keep it you're going to go for the simpler thing. Yeah. Toby. So this is uh, jumping off uh, Maya's previous point about Sisyphus and Baldi is that another comparison between Zagreus and Sisyphus is that by all rights, Sisyphus should hate this fucking boulder because he has to push it and it is the object of his torment. It, it embodies everything. But he takes the thing that is symbolizes his torment and he actually takes the time to characterize it, to kind of put, like, even if it's coming from him, he tries to actually develop a relationship with it. And by the time we see him, it's actually a rather amiable relationship. And that's what Zagreus does with the different bosses, at least most of them, um, uh, he de develops a rapport, and he basically, I think by the end of it, you have just this uh, fantastic dynamic where you have the Hydra who doesn't say anything back to you, and eventually you're calling it Lerny. <laughs> I never got that far, jeez. Yeah, yeah. It's like yeah. It's, it's, it's a love Lerny so much. Hey, Lerny, if you're angry with me right now, hiss really loudly and menacingly. Like, it's, <laughs> it's great. And like, but I think, Toby, that's a, a really good point that like Sisyphus has essentially made peace with the object of his punishment. And that's that's Zagreus's journey is making peace with this reality that he that he can't escape from. So you also date one of the bosses, which like is a great representation of that. But um, <laughs> we can, I think we could probably get into spoiler territory now. We got an hour and twenty. I think we've, we've probably given people who've not played it yet a, a good feel yeah. for what's coming. So uh, if we oh, get Russell too much further, people are going to be like, "This Hades thing sounds awfully complicated." So yeah. Yeah, go play. Okay. Definitely. So, well, it's, so it's I, spoilers. Here be spoilers. <laughs> is that what they look like? <laughs> that is what they look like. Oh, by the way, I just looked at 128 pictures of baked Alaskas. They all look absolutely delicious. None of them look like breakfast, Loretta. <laughs> Get some you. nutrition for lunch. <laughs> yeah. That's your opinion. Alex, you spent time in America. You should I mean, it's a wrong one, but that's your opinion. <laughs> um, so what, something that I want to talk about a little bit, because surrounding what we're all saying is also how the mechanics of the game are literally tying into these elements. So Boldy, after you develop the relationship with Sisyphus, you can give Nectar to Boldy and you get an actual buff for the rest of the run that is Boldy believes in you. And it gives you actual mechanical benefits. 
um, the, the, the different things that you interact with different people. So since we're in spoiler territory, the literal embodiment of death, Thanatos, shows up and he is the sweetest little soft boy and I want to protect him. <laughs> and he is the literal embodiment of death. But as you build your relationship with him, he's one of the three dateable characters. His favor to you, his boon to you is to help protect you. His whole thing is like, don't get hurt out there. Mm. Is, is what he's trying to say mechanically with yeah. that boon. Yeah. While Meg, who is one of the other dateable characters, the Fury, who's also possibly one of the first bosses, uh, who I love, she is also big BDSM representation. And when we get into representation in this game, boy, howdy, am I going to have a meal? <laughs> but um, Meg, Meg's thing is like, go out there and let the pain fuel you. And that is like so much in keeping with her characterization and even her relationship with Zagreus. Even what Loretta was talking about with Chaos, the fact that uh, Chaos in the original myth was the original sculptor. They came about from the nothingness and they created everything, Gaia, Tartarus, all of the Chthonic uh, gods, Nyx, everything. And was sort of this first creator and was mostly forgotten, relegated to this sub-basement of the, the underworld. And uh, the fact that you can stumble across a way to get in, but it's even painful. It's something that not everybody would go and investigate, not something that everybody would even want to go and see what is going on down there. And you meet Chaos, who is not like unhappy with their position, also big non-binary representation, mm -hmm. uh, like this, this androgynous figure, wonderful. Um, and they are fascinated that you, this godling, has come to visit them and grows to love the relationship so much that like, you can eventually repair their relationship with Mother Nyx. And that's just so cool. I am not a Greco-Roman specialist like Victoria. I go all over the map in terms of mythology, but I've had a kind of a love-hate relationship with Greco-Roman mythology in general because they were one of the first mythologies I learned about. And then as I got older and really understood the context of a lot of these stories I grew up with, it was like, oh my God, all of these people are dicks. Why would I ever want to interact with any of them at all? And it's <laughs> a nature of the Greco-Roman mythology to have their gods be especially flawed in a lot of their relationships with each other and especially with mortals and everything like that. The game goes out of its way to make everybody kind of likable. Like, you never necessarily lose sight of the fact that certain people are more selfish than others. Aphrodite. Yes. It, well, <laughs> the Olympians in general tend to encompass more of the selfish end of the spectrum. Mm. And they may be the first ones to help you out, giving you boons and everything, but they're doing it with an expectation of like, okay, I'm going to help you out now, but yeah, exactly. The finger thing means money. It, the finger thing is money, exactly. They're, they're expecting to get something out of this, which is why they're more than happy to, I guess, spoiler, ter spoiler territory, help out Theseus as well, because he's one of their heroes, and now we're having a, a gladiatorial fight that's entertaining for them. Mm. Um, but the the Chthonic gods, or the, the Chthonic creatures tend to be more selfless in their relationships with Zagreus, which is 
what can make them more compelling in general. Like they're they tend to be the ones you end up wanting to help out the most, whether it's Eurydice's relationship with Orpheus or eventually Achilles's relationship with Patroclus or as Victoria mentioned, Chaos's relationship with Nyx. It's all very engaging and it helps that you're not just embodying a a Gorman Freeman excuse me, a Gordon Freeman protagonist. You're encompassing Zagreus who has a personality and who wants to go out of his way to help people because that's who he is. Hmm. I, I do enjoy the fact that you get to you get to have a little trust with Thanatos and, and, and Megira at, at, at the same time, just like woo. Um, <laughs> but uh, Thanatos is not the only god of death. Uh, he's not the only form of death personified. He's just the form of a peaceful death, a mm. merciful death. Um, he has three sisters called the Kirais, who um, are like the Furies, but they're more like Valkyries, and they represent like a, a death on the battlefield or a death by vengeance from someone else. Basically more painful or surprising versions of death. Thanatos is more like, oh, you're passing quietly in your sleep, or you've been poisoned, but you decided to do this you know, yourself. I mean, Thanatos is the, the most commonly known of them, so I can understand why they would use uh, why they would use him in a game. But I just wanted to to point that out. Uh, there was something else I wanted to say, but now I can't remember. Oh, uh, in Greek mythology, so you got to remember back then, all they really had to entertain themselves besides war and uh, uh, you know other fun, sexy things, um, <laughs> and you know actual work uh, was the stories of the gods. And that was kind of like, you know, their their daytime television, their their entertainment. Their MCU. So depending mm. excuse me? Their MCU. MCU. Pretty so much. Yeah. <laughs> like, like so depending on who you heard things from, the stories would change and they would get more dramatic or they would get more salacious depending on who your audience is. For example, there's a story where um Zagreus is actually the child of Zeus and Persephone, which is messed mm. up even for Zeus because Persephone is technically his daughter. And um, I don't think he's ever done something like that in any of his myths. But they they would add little details like that to make the story more, uh, uh, like I said, salacious or, or um, interesting. <clears throat> My take on it is, is that um, uh, one of Hades' names, because you don't call something by its name, especially like in in that part of the world. If you call something by its name too many times, it comes looking for you. Mm. So you don't want to call, you know, Hades by his true name, Adonis, or I think it's Adonais. I can't quite remember. You don't call him by his true name, you call him by Hades, which is actually his realm, or you call him Dark Zeus in order Does to- Does that make Poseidon um, wet Zeus? Could be. <laughs> I think There's Zeus a lot of things is wet Zeus. <laughs> Fair point, fair point. Hera would agree with you. Yeah. <laughs> uh, going back to something that Victoria said real quick, uh, it, I think it's really cool that all of these uh, these people that you develop relationships with, we mentioned the boons before, which, you know, and the little trinkets that you can get from 
giving gifts to people, if you really develop a relationship with some of the characters or do something that they really, really want you to do, they start giving you keepsakes. Thanatos' keepsake, as you mentioned, is something that actually keeps you alive, which is great. And I love the fact that it is a little toy mouse with like a little tag on its ear that was like Thanatos' favorite childhood plaything that he lost at some point, found again, and now he's given to you to like take care of it. It's just, it's such a sweet, lovely thing that he does for you. And in keeping with that, there is a character in like the um, the room that you go into where you pick all of like your keepsakes, your trinkets, your weapons and everything else. There's a character named Skelly who is basically a training dummy. If you do the task that Skelly really wants you to do, his keepsake is another training dummy. It's a decoy that you can send out that gets that like takes damage for you, which is so in keeping with his whole vibe. It's amazing. So I, I just wanted to go back on that and say like, yeah, all of the, the little keepsakes you get along the way are so in keeping with the personalities of the people that you get them from. It's really, really awesome. Um, and going back to the death thing for a second too, don't forget that death also has, uh, actually has a couple of different relatives in this in this story, but one of the big ones is the the Stygian boatman. So you can actually meet the guy who rides the boat down the river Styx, and uh, he is amazing. He's one of my favorite characters. I don't know why, but kind of going back to something Greg said, I find the very like. I find the Chthonic gods the most fascinating. Chaos is probably my favorite character in the entire game. I absolutely love them. Our, our boatman over here is is so great, and, and he never even says anything. And you can try to pull little words out of him here and there, and he almost gets, <laughs> he almost squeaks out a thank you at one point, I think. <laughs> very, very barely he can just start to do it but he but he doesn't he doesn't speak and there are just so many different forms of death because and he becomes very important for later parts of the game as well but yeah there are death happens in so many forms in this game it's just so integral to to everything involved with how the game is set up and how you play it wow harsh <laughs> well it's funny i mean because now now i've got like three topics in my head you know one uh, of Charon. I had always been fascinated with Charon going as far back as the original Clash of the Titans when, you know, he just turns and, you know, does the whole skeletal hand thing. And I was like, oh, that is just wickedly cool, which is mm. why I'm actually building a full-blown cosplay of Charon. Nice. So that, that'll be that'll be a future thing. And I have to share, smoke. please. Oh, <laughs> hell yeah. Well, um, you have to make your car look like a boat. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, I'll have to. I'll have to put my to, on top to, of it. to my uh, costume uh, uh, account later. Um, but I have this got the smoke machine all ready to go and 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 all that. But with Zagreus, I think something that that uh, really resonates with me with him is he's got this horrible, boring day job, and to me, he's searching for that purpose in life. It's like I don't want to do this. I don't want to do this. You know and for me, it, it really resonates personally because I just want to go out and talk to people, meet people, make their lives better. And to watch him grow into that that relationship and out of that 
well, let's just call it what it is, the corporate shell, you know, because that's what he does. Um, <laughs> breaking out of that shell and becoming, you know, more, you know, of himself is, is great. And it even goes so far as, I mean, now that we're in the spoiler territory, um, <laughs> uh, he becomes more adult. And, and when I say more adult, I mean, we even get to the point where it's, you know, like uh, Zagreus does Underworld. You know, I mean, it's like, geez, I didn't, I did not, I did not expect that as, as, as we kind of, as, you know, I got into the game and a couple it's things Greek went on. It's Greek mythology, like, Matt, why not? <laughs> Look at that. <laughs> yeah, so, um, but, but seeing, you know, Zagreus go from, you know, button down, I have to wear a tie and work in the administrative office to go, you know what, I'm going to do what I love, even if it's not the most rewarding thing, you know, what other people would call success He's like, my success is getting to know myself, getting to know Persephone, getting to know whomever, you know, I want to, you know, have in my life. And I think a lot of us, you know, as you get older, you know, I've been going down that path of, you know, I don't want to climb the, the corporate ladder as much as I used to when I was when I was younger. Now I'm just like, who are my friends? Who are close to me? How do I care for them best? Which in turn cares for me best so that's what i've really enjoyed about that zag that, that actually kind of feeds into uh, another big or, or well my last main big theme for this which i'll bring up now and then we can start expanding on the mechanics and the characters and it's me so obviously it had to get in there somewhere but it's hades as self-therapy so mm. First off, the fact that this game wherein you are stuck in an interior that layers but doesn't really change and you can't go outside and on the very rare occasions that you do get to go outside it doesn't last very long and you can only have very limited uh, interactions with people. Right now, I found that weirdly therapeutic because that's where we are. I can't go out much. Everything mm. from work to personal life to even taking the kid to school is now within the boundaries of my house. And we're in the middle of a fairly tight lockdown in the UK at the moment, um, which means that even the whole, you were able to go outside and meet one other person for exercise or, or something along those lines. We're not even supposed to be doing that right now. So being told, you cannot get to the surface, you will never escape, yeah. is quite anxiety. Now, on the one hand, <laughs> yes, exactly. It is. It, it seems weird that doing something which is uh, a replication of the thing that's driving you crazy would seem a bit strange. But I think it's had a similar impact as, you know how when you're feeling really, really angry, you listen to music that is kind of about on the level of how angry you are or maybe even a little bit more angry and it's so kind rage of, against the machine yeah it, it, or radiohead if you're feeling just really sad and exactly angry. yeah but you you pick music that kind of matches your emotional tone 
and system of a down if you're fucking furious. Exactly. Um, but it provides you with A, a catharsis, and B, you're then into kind of a step mechanism of being able to bring that down. So you can then shift the music and and now you're going with it and you're bringing yourself to a place that you would prefer to be than that place of great anger or great sadness or or wherever you were. And to take an environment that I was initially... I hate it here. I hate what I'm doing. I, I'm desperate to try and um, and find this this point of connection that I feel like I lost, and I just want to get out of this place so that I can I can remake that connection. To then kind of circle back around to, but what's going on in here is actually okay, yeah, I can go with that. Um, There are people that I quite like spending time with and even the repetition of every day and every death being the same is something that eventually starts to feel a little bit comforting. So from the sheer uh, act of playing it, I, I could see very quickly that I was getting something from it, which the fact that I've put as much time into it as I have is is kind of evidence of. But there's also some direct connections that I felt with the things I do to help myself feel better. So for a start, you can pet the dog. That was a big thing. Mm-hmm. I would have loved to have had Cerberus by my side like it would have been several awesome. rounds. Yeah, three, he three heads sat on, good your, on your boy. leg. He was, yeah, it would have been nice to have him with you. But the just having a a canine companion who is recognised within the text of the game as being one of the most important elements of what makes this place bearable was quite... The fact that it is incorporated moving, into your costume is like a little signifier yeah, of that. Yeah, absolutely. Mm. And again, little spoiler here, but when uh, Persephone is eventually brought back into the underworld, one of the first things she does is go and pet the dog. Mm. And the, like one of the first things she asks about is, is Cerberus okay? Because that's let's let's get down to what's really important here, shall we? Um, so Even Hades knows that. Absolutely. Hades knows. I Persephone cares more about the dog than, him. than she cares about me, and she proves <laughs> that when she shows up. Indeed. So being able to pet the dog was was quite huge, but also the fact that you have this. Um, initially when you first start playing the game it's like you die the stakes could not be any huger and what you get for this initially is a feeling of emptiness and you you didn't achieve what you set out to achieve and so now you feel like a failure and the more I repeated that and the more I started to be able to get a feel for what was going on around me Gradually, the stakes got smaller because I knew I would always come back. The rewards got bigger because there were always more people to have conversations with and, and more, um, you know, I can I can go past, uh, build up stacks of jewels this time because I want to help Dusa sort the lounge out or I can go for uh, stacks of keys this time because I want to open up all the, uh, the, the Nix's benefits and, and try and boost my um, all my talents up to as high as I can. There's, there's always missions and tasks that I could set myself. It wasn't just a case of um, having to go through what was on a preset list. And so that gave me that sense of, of control that is absolutely essential 
if you're going to take a very anxious brain, like what I have, and gradually build up its resilience and ability to look at a world which, let's not beat about the bush, is kind of falling apart at the moment, and do things which interrupt that cycle of negative thought, negative feeling, physical symptom, now I feel like I'm, I've messed up and I'm terrible and it'll never be okay again and then we're back to the beginning again and being able to break that up with these little wins on a daily basis was absolutely huge. So could you get Nick's and because I've not gotten anywhere near far enough can you get Nick's and Persephone together get them to collectively boot Hades out and then I suppose set up a family business and just sort of run the underworld with less of an iron hand yourself is that the end game? I, is that what we get? We, we can we can tack that on. <laughs> DLC? <laughs> yeah, DLC territory. One thing I really enjoy about Cerberus and your interactions with him is that whenever you go to pet him, he's always in the mood to be pet. But specifically, only one head is in the mood to be pet. He has different heads that like are expressing the range of emotions. There's always... The one that you pet is always the one who has his tongue sticking out and is looking very happy and is always in the mood for it. But when you interact with him and not just pet him, but talk with him, the narration will sort of communicate his internal thoughts. And there's a lot of, I think, a uh, there's a bit of sweetness to that because I think that his other heads maybe have a melancholy to maybe realizing that you're you may not be coming back or that there's something that you're trying to do that you can't achieve and but what i like is that zagreus knows and respects what cerberus like the different parts of cerberus and tends to the part that needs that tending and respects the distance of the ones that you know obviously don't i think even the narration points out that there are the other heads which if you know Cerberus well you know don't don't touch those heads that's not a good idea and then for tending to the lounge which at first I had a very and I love this when game mechanics uh, story and my own feelings towards the game all coalesce together because at first I thought I, I don't know if I really want to do up the lounge because, first of all, the art is fantastic anyway, so, you know, it hardly needs beautifying. And uh, also, I'm, I'm going to be going out of here. I don't need to do this. But then, over time, you start to think, well, I've collected enough of these, maybe I will do it. But you're given one incentive, or at least you are given an incentive that's very convincing in the form of Dusa. Mm. And... Dusa is someone who is clearly wracked with anxiety, is doing her best and is doing a great job, and you know that you can do something that just takes a load off, or at least will help her, and you think that it's in my power to do that, so you do it. And that's a. I think that there's no better incentive for me to take part in an area of your game that I wasn't necessarily all that invested in than to show someone who is like overworked and is like really passionate about their job but just is clearly 
uh, I would say up to her shoulders, but she doesn't have them. But uh, <laughs> she is piled up, and, and I love Dusa. Loretta. So can I can I spoil this just a little bit? We don't know. So first of all, first of all, first of all, Dusa is freaking adorable. <laughs> She's I, I love I love her. Um, secondly, she's technically the severed head of Medusa. Like that's what she, I thought. Yeah, yeah she is. Uh, so um, Medusa's body actually dissolved and turned into Pegasus. Oh, that was child uh, with Poseidon. Wait a second. And I thought her head was immortal and it lived on its own. But no, Medusa's head was technically immortal because it was the only part of her that was fully Gorgon. Right. I find catharsis, like, in between runs. Um, because sometimes, like, the, the boss fights will get so stressful. Especially after I die for something really stupid. One of the very first times I died in Asphodel was because I didn't realize you couldn't walk on the fiery water. <laughs> and just and was just burned to a crisp. Like, straight, the second yeah. same. Yeah, I made that same mistake, too. Uh, yeah, yeah. You have fiery box. feet. You have yes. fiery feet. Shouldn't you be able to do that? Apparently, you're fire resistant, but you're not fireproof. And you're a god. I mean, you can regenerate all that, but it's it's a pain in the butt. But no, what I'm saying is that, like, through the runs, like, especially when they get very frustrating, um, and I have extra like gems, I find it cathartic to fix up the house. Hmm. Like, mm. I will it's go soothing. up, and if I've got something extra, it's like it's like oh, I'm gonna make this part a little pretty. Oh, I'm gonna clean up this part. And I realize too that Hades responds to you slightly more positively. If you take the pride nicer, in the house. Yeah. Mm -hmm. The nicer you make things. Mm. And so part of me is like, ooh, it's going to be so pretty by the time I'm done and I get mom to come back home. You know, like, <laughs> I can see um, why a lot of us would like do so, actually, thinking about it yes. on this call. <laughs> so so to me, it's like these little itty bitty bits because they there are games where they have mini games. And it's supposed to be like, oh, this is like a little break from the game. But really, it's a piece of shit like in... Kingdom Hearts 3. In this one, it feels like these little bits here and there, it is a break and it is calming and you get to kind of see the effects of what it has on everybody. And that way, like, you feel more refreshed when you jump back into the fray. As soon as Persephone comes back and you're continuing to work on the progress to now resolving, okay, how do I get Persephone how do I let the Olympians know that Persephone's down here and not get them to be assholes about it and start a war between Olympus and uh, and the underworld? Which they're bored you, enough to do. Yeah, which they're bored enough to do. But there's also a lot of other emotions which are tied up with that, particularly with the laser crone Demeter. Um, your relationship with your father, with Hades, can improve. And it gets to the point where you're fighting him but it's just sort of like, okay, yeah, let's see if you can beat me this time. And when you come back after you die, because even if you beat him, you eventually return to the sticks reclaims you anyway. He will be positively greeting you and asking you how you're doing and answer your questions without being an asshole about it. Mm. Sharon, you were talking a moment ago about the importance of self-therapy and how Hades the game can be a reflection of that. I honestly can't not relate more to how if we look at escaping the underworld or escaping our difficult lives or escaping all of the problems that we have on top of ourselves as being the long-term goal that you keep trying to work on every single day and don't necessarily succeed at, 
the game like life still allows you to make progression with like, okay, I'll clean up the house. That will make me feel better. Okay, I'll spend time with my friends. That will make me feel better. I'll give them gifts. That will make me feel better. I'll help them out with their internal stuff and they will make me feel good for having done so. That will make me feel better. You can always make progress on some aspect of the game, just like you can always make progress on some aspect of your life. Mm. And just to briefly refer back to what you were saying about the your relationship with Hades and how that gradually starts to um, improve and your interactions become more positive, a big part of that is... Zagreus basically going from somebody who, like pre-story, was forced into doing a job that didn't suit him and he didn't like, to somebody who is desperately trying to achieve uh, something that it then turns out can't be done, but that then segues into, but in trying to achieve that thing, I have found out something that I am actually really good at. Oh, hey, mm. maybe I could have a job doing that thing that I am really good at and that is a, a big part of who I am. And it's it's almost like, and, and again, this is kind of coincidentally something that I have been processing through my own head in recent times, probably not not affected by this, unaffected by this, sorry. Yeah, there goes my English. Um, but realising that maybe the thing that you're striving to do is not really for you, but the thing that you're doing that you actually quite enjoy and is incredibly positive in your life, maybe you're already kind of in the place that you should be and doing the thing that you should be doing. And, and that has been massively helpful for me. Since we're talking about personal therapy. I'm going to weigh in with my one and a half cents because I'm going to let everyone else talk. You guys have all, you folks have all played way more than me, but it's something I figured this morning. One of the thing reasons why I don't keep throwing myself into Hades, well, one of them is that Sharon's barely off the switch, but the other one is <laughs> um, Zagreus never seems to be angry enough at his situation. He never seems to be, like, I wanted to slam Hades back against a wall and say, right, this is over. I am done with this loop. And then just kind of drag it all out. Okay, Dad, let's have a chat. And then I thought about God of War and thought, no, that's the other extreme. That's where you slam Theseus up against a wall and then just, like, grab his head and shove it in a door and just bang, 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 bang. And then it's like, that's way too violent. And then I realized that the place in the middle is what I would call to correspond with the way I would feel about constantly being stuck in a uh, an Olympian uh, or, or Sisyphean task is my discomfort zone. Mm. That's pretty much the most profound... Th I mean, honestly, just knowing that, knowing that there's... When a game or piece of media or a story pushes my buttons and it makes me feel uncomfortable in a way I can relate to, that's oddly appealing. That's what I got from this game. Victoria's next. Okay. I have so many things to say based on what other people were talking about. I'm going to go in reverse order from what, and I'm going to be quick about some of them. So first off, Dusa 
one of my favorite characters. Love her to death. I love that you can romance her, and in the end of the romance, she's like, actually, can we just be friends forever? And Zagreus is like, yes, obviously. But also, she's the maid. So obviously, she's made Dusa. Like, it's right there. Um, and then, uh, so Cerberus, I love it because each of the heads, it, it, there's an angry head, there's a sad head, and there's a golden retriever head. And obviously, you pet the golden retriever head. So it's, I just love that characterization. But anyway, I need to throw all the way back to what Sharon talked about at the beginning of this section, because the one other game that was so appropriate for 2020 that did really well and probably wouldn't have done as well this past year for very similar reasons was Animal Crossing. And mm. so walk with me here. One of the really awesome things about Hades and its uh, branching narrative design is that the more time you invest with any character, you have a greater chance of getting tiny interactions with them that are themselves fundamental small kindnesses that you can pursue. Uh, like Hypnos, who always greets you, is a little snarky. You're never quite sure he's sarcastic about whenever he's welcoming you back into the house. But it, at some point, you find out that he has, he's a big fan of the bull, the Minos bull, uh, Asterius. And you can actually go on a little, like, mission to get him an autograph from Asterius. <laughs> because you can build a relationship with Asterius, who is, like, super chill and an awesome dude. Um even someone like Tisiphone, who is somewhat monstrous, she is the the uh, fury who specifically punishes murderers, and all she can say She's in the game is murderer. But after a while, you can be like, no, no, it's Zagreus, and she will learn your name. And when you mm -hmm. run into her in the future, she will say your name. Uh, after you fight the Lernian Hydra enough, you decide to give him a name because you're like, it seems weird that you are the one true monster that I'm fighting and you should have a name. What if I called you Lerny? And it doesn't change anything about that, except it does change the, the title above the health bar. Mm. It does become Lerny, uh, which I think is, is delightful. But like every character has a small beat like that almost. Hades, sometimes whenever you go see him, he's having a staring contest with a fish. And Zagreus says, do you want to go fishing? Because I would be down with that. We don't need to fight. And Hades is like, well, no, we have a job to do. Like, come on, let's let's do this. But um, And uh, on the other side of that, there's a rare uh, boon spawn at the beginning of a run where Poseidon will give you a boon that enhances your fishing because your uncle wants to take you fishing. And it's like this small thing that totally changes the entire run and building up those small acts of, of kindness, those small little stories that you might get to see because you engaged with a character more often or you uh, just ran into a character more often, they have very little mechanical benefit, but they develop your story in a way that feels very satisfying, like you are building a, a, a relationship with these characters. And to go back to something I think uh, Toby said earlier, somebody said earlier about how the Olympian gods all are like too likable. I think they're too, I think they're relatable. I don't know if I would call them likable. Like Aphrodite, I find, scary in ways Vindicated. that like thank you <laughs> yeah like she she's like she's relatable in the sense that like i know people like her for it, ample it, boons. using attraction to <laughs> manipulate people oh well nice. ample decolletage <laughs> um, 
But uh, like Ares, I find really unsettling the way that just really in how calm he is. And like Demeter, I don't hate her. She is terrifying, but also like weirdly relatable. Like she she is grieving and doesn't really know what to do with that grief. Like what's e- Athena like? Because I kept trying to make friends with Athena, but she kept like being elusive. She's, and... She is very aloof, but she's yeah. uh, that she will find things to respect about you as you progress. I've always loved Athena. I'm like, come on, Athena. Mm, yeah, but she's she very just doesn't want to. She's very, like, duty-bound, seems to be the the thing. And, like, it takes a while to kind of break her out of that mold. Similar to Artemis, she's very, like, uh, avoidant of wanting to talk to you. Dionysus, I can't get up off my ass. Yeah, well, (laughs) he's so goofy. And then, like, Hermes, even. Like, you end up finding out that Hermes has been doing a lot of stuff behind the scenes. Like, he sent Skelly to be your... Your, your dummy, he he's working with Charon to make sure that people can get their boons to you and, and like all these different like small ways and like even Theseus who is just the face to your heel in the arena, like you get some dialogue with him. If you ever get the chance to use an Aphrodite charm uh, on Asterius and have Asterius hit Theseus, the interplay that they have in that moment is brilliant. Oh. And there's so many little things like that that you can engage with and it's building these relationships in a way that feels very natural and feels very emergent that you are being rewarded with story in a way that like Animal Crossing did too. And given the past year, how we are all in prisons, uh, watching the slow motion collapse of society and the global rise of fascism, we it, it feels really good to be able to make these small changes, these small relationships with these characters that are themselves very relatable. Thank you for all of that because you gave me a bunch of stuff to jump off of. So first of all, I am so happy to hear that little bit about Tisiphone because I haven't gotten there yet in, in, I have like two save files going on and like in the one that's more developed, I haven't gotten there yet, but out of all of the Fury sisters, I I know Meg is uh, a favorite and people love her. I did not gel with Meg that much, but to Tiffany, this bitch over here that keeps shouting murder at me, I want to know her story. <laughs> I'm really happy to hear that you can actually get her to to even open up that little bit. That just makes me so, so pleased. Um, And going back to a little bit what you were saying about the the tiny interactions, I think all of that really brings up an amazing point that the sheer amount of content in this game is staggering. It's unbelievable how much how much there is in this game and like the little nooks and crannies it not even just the the main story and the after story and all of these things that we've been talking about but like so many of these little interactions that just give you flavor or some other little bit of dialogue that you hadn't come across before like it's unbelievable how much is is really in this game and especially when you consider the size of the you know the relative size of the developers and and the creators that made it this is kind of like a small to mid-size game company so the fact that they were able to pull something like this that looks so polished and has so much to it and is fun and creative and and everything else that looks beautiful that sounds beautiful that's got amazing music is is just unbelievable i'm sure we could have a whole different conversation about that 
one thing that I wanted to mention about Charon, going back to the, the little interactions, and there's no purpose to this, except for it's just one of those things that builds on his character. If you, uh, there's a point where you can go to his shop and he's got this like little bag of coins behind him. <laughs> and it says that you can borrow the bag of coins from him. So at one point I decided, you know what? I'm just going to take the bait because not only is this funny that this is even an option, but I just want to see what happens. I figured maybe he would give you a loan and then like you have to pay it off later or give something back to, you know, to no, you are actually just stealing his money. Karen gets wicked pissed at you. There's he a record goes, scratch. Oh that my god. He gets scratch. so so angry. Record scratch and everything. <laughs> Brings you into this whole different thing. And then you have to fight Karen, which is a nearly impossible thing to do. I happen to be carrying Mort, the little keepsake from Thanatos. If you call up Thanatos in that moment, he's just like what are you doing? Why are we here? I've got, nice. He doesn't do anything. He refuses to fight his oh. brother. Nothing happens. It's amazing. You die. <laughs> then you go back to the house of Hades. And then you can talk to Hypnos, who goes, wait a minute. This says that you were killed by my brother. What did you do when you were up there? And, and Hades is just going, that. How'd you get on with Karen then? You're, you're an idiot. It's, it's one it's of like, the son, how drunk most, were you? It really, it is one of the most useless and yet one of the funniest interactions I've I had in any part of the game. And I love that they put little details in like in there like that. It's it's so good. And Alex, just really quickly, going to one of your points, I would argue that Zag does get really angry at, at Hades. I, I would argue that he actually does um, call him to task quite a bit. It's not so much that he like blows up at him and he has this like explosion of anger, but he is really critical of him and his decisions. So I would actually push back on that a little bit and say critical. Zag is oof. Does Super he make like GLaDOS style comments about him being in an eating contest or what? <laughs> Not exactly, but I mean, like, he calls him out on his BS in a way that, I, you know, is very rare for him because he's such a nice guy mostly, but like, he's very, he really takes him to task on some of the things that, that he does when it comes to. Persephone and when it comes to dealing with the other Olympian gods. So I don't I want to honestly like um, push back against this because you've played way more than me and everyone in this call has got the vibe of the game way more than me. Um, what I meant was I, 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 I have severe daddy issues so playing it was painful. Mm. I have severe issues with desperately trying to escape from my father's house, so playing it was painful. I have mm. severe issues with being called a failure all the time, mm. so playing it was painful. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I think Matt's next. Yeah, understandable. <laughs> so, I'm going to go get some painkillers. What a dovetail. They'll never kill all the pain. <laughs> <laughs> Falling up on all the stuff that, that, that Maya had uh, brought up, and yet the first time when I got the record scratch, I just went, Oh shit! Now what? Because <laughs> <laughs> I, I, yeah, I was thinking the same thing. I'm like, all right, I just need 300 bucks. I'll, I'll pay you back. I figured I have to give you an extra hundo down the line. I'm like, oh. And actually, I, I did actually beat him once, and uh, 
when you talk to Nick's, Nick's kind of like uh, says, you know, he's kind of a big fan of yours. Like, what? Really? Okay. Um, <laughs> but all the the little things that they've built into this game to give it that additional flavor is just above and beyond. Like, um, after a while, if you talk to Hermes enough, it'll actually give you the choice. Like, do you just want me to shut up and, and we'll speed this up and, you know, I can just give you your stuff now or do you still want to hear me talk? Um, keep talking. Mm-hmm. Yeah, keep yeah talking. that's what I said, uh, too. <laughs> yeah, I, I, I love going around to the shades when they give you the little green dot and you find out how they died, you mm-hmm. know, with the little joke there. Um, after a while, uh, when you beat the game enough, they just, that you don't, you know, and Persephone comes back, they just start giving you these mundane ways in which Zagreus dies, which to me is friggin' hysterical, like stepping on, you know, stepping on a rake and getting hit in the head, you know, uh, getting hit by a chariot crossing mm. the road. I mean, just like, what the hell? Um, the narrator fourth wall, anytime you examine something and, and Zagreus goes, what, what do you mean? That, that, that's not at all what I'm getting at. Um, but I think my favorite my favorite joke in the whole game so far is when he when you go into Hades's room for the first time you open the closet you're like it's all cloaks i knew it games <laughs> <laughs> nothing but games it's just cloaks it's just it's the same cloak and he called him out in a previous boss fight as yeah, well exactly. yeah. you just want to yeah you're just gonna keep burning up these cloaks you just have like a oh, whole yeah. closet full of them or mm. whatnot yeah. and then you get there and he goes i knew it I knew it's, it! It's just cloaks! And, you know, I mean, you can't tell me that the louts are not designed after a certain former politician. Because, ma, yeah, you cannot tell me they don't look like, uh, you know who, to me at the least. Angry I, Orange. Yeah, they sure they sure do to me. I'm like, wow, you get a little on the nose there with that, but alright, you know. <laughs> So yeah, I just I just love everything that they've snuck into this game, and like you said, for you know, a small mid-sized game company, putting that much depth, that much flavor, that much just little tiny stuff to find, that takes yeah, that takes a lot of you know. All right, we're actually gonna you know, do we have a bug? Yeah, but we gotta put this joke in. I mean, <laughs> <laughs> the script. So, the script is. <laughs> 21,020 voice lines, which spans 305,433 words. Wow. That is a lot. That is mm-hmm. a lot. Okay, uh, Loretta, I think, had her hand up next. Oh, well, I was going to say, I always figured with Hades, Persephone was the one who did all of his clothing shopping. Mm-hmm. And eventually, <laughs> like, he just destroyed all of his tunics and he didn't want to go shopping again. And so he's just, like, left his closet full of cloaks. <laughs> Um, and I, I, I also wanted to, like, say also that, um, the funny thing about Hades is that, like, in all sorts of other media, they equate him with the devil and how, like, oh, he's evil because he's the god of the dead. Really, he's a god of rules. Mm. And yeah. he's a god of prosperity and wealth. So the more you, quote unquote, spend on his realm or spend time in him, basically, the more you spend, the more you get out of being in the underworld. Yeah. I, I did like, um, I'll come to you in a second, Victoria, um, but I, I did like the, uh, just to discuss briefly the the levels that you go through. Because um, mm. obviously there is a bit of a tendency to associate Hades with 
uh, more um, Christianized versions of hell and um, to think of it as somewhere with, you know, fires and pitchforks, etc. And there's only really one element of, of Hades' realm that is sort of following that kind of aesthetic. Far more than that is the overwhelming sense of prison. And the fact that the, the lowest level that you go through, Tartarus, the aesthetic that you have there, particularly after leaving the, the relatively cosy and comfortable environment of the House of Hades, is that it is, you're surrounded by cold stone, it's very dank, there are bars everywhere, all of the, the shades that surround you are trapped or, you know, they're behind walls or they're stuck in the river. But ultimately, it's not, horrendous that the especially as you start to build up your skills the uh the enemies that you're coming up against are, are relatively manageable and it wasn't until i started going through asphodel fairly regularly asphodel being the the second layer which is the place where you're surrounded by hot lava that I really started to feel like, okay, now this feels like hell to me. This is where I really, really don't want to be because there's nowhere safe to stand and you, everything's overwhelming and it's all very bright and um, you try and get on the platforms to get to the next level and chances are you're going to slip and, and fall in the river and burn your foot. So to then move into Elysium, which is the third level, there's this sort of sense of, of it being this cool balm almost. Everything's pastel and beautiful, even though the enemies are rock hard. <laughs> and and so the, the mechanic is giving you a more of a challenge, but the environment feels a little more soothing given what you've just come through. And then the end section, before you come up against Hades himself, you go through the Temple of Sticks, which kind of made me... This This was one of my worst sections to play, but my favourite in terms of how they designed it. Because it gives you that feeling of, of Tartarus again, that it, you're back into a prison-like environment, these little chambers where everything's got bars on the windows... So you get this sense that you've, even though you're almost out, you've looped back around to where you started, except that now it's full of vermin and poison. <laughs> so having put all this effort in, you're now having more and more flung at you. But at the same time, there are two things in it that make it much better, which is that A, Cerberus is there. Hey! Although you can't pet him here, which is a shame. Um, <laughs> but B... Curran is there too. So you've got a shop, you've got resources, you've got things that you can draw on. So it's almost like it's giving you this feeling of, you know where you were when you started and you didn't know where to go and you didn't have the uh, the resilience and sense of achievement that you, you kind of do have now. Even though this is going to be absolutely rock hard, and I apologise for that, you've got this. There is such a sense of you've got this about the Temple of Sticks for me. Um, Not to mention that the whole goal is, in order to get out, you have to find doggy nom-noms. Yeah, absolutely. A dog <laughs> treat will, will get you to the end of this one. Um, so, yeah. So, Victoria, I think you had your hand up next. Yeah. So, just to jump off of what you said, and then I want to 
I have so many things. Anyway, the so Tartarus is, is of course the place for those who committed sins and, and crimes and things, and it makes sense that it's a prison. Mm-hmm. Um, Asphodel is actually is is the Verdant Meadows is what it's supposed to be, and it's actually for the unremarkable dead. But at some point, the Fiery River Phlegathon has overflowed its bank banks and flooded the region, and it's actually a really good representation of how Hades has kind of stopped caring in his like mm. weird fiery grief of losing Persephone like Asphodel is supposed to be like kind I honestly a lot of the depictions of it even in the game that they talk about like pre the pre-flooding it sounds like a cooler version of of Elysium because Elysium's all like with the river Lethe and everything it's kind of like too much for the glorified dead so I I love that it's it's like a diegetic um example of like how the underworld is itself kind of going to hell if you will because Mm -hmm. of all of the problems that that hades is like experiencing but like not wanting to let out which makes him a bit more relatable as well the um satyr tunnels are really interesting because you're technically on the surface at that point and a unifying element of a greco-roman underworld is that both of them are associated with a real life cave um, obviously, one in Greece, Greek, one in, uh, in Greece, and one in in um, Italy, where they uh, they're, they're an actual cave that was supposed to be the opening to the underworld. They built a shrine there for it. I actually got to see the one in Italy. Humble brag, but um, the they also are po- there's like poisonous gases in those caves that actually like will kill you dead if you go into it too far and stay too long, which is one of the reasons why it was supposed to be the underworld. One of the reasons why you run into the poison mechanic, which is absent in the rest of the game, because it is specifically referencing these real-life places that themselves created part of the underworld myth. That is incredible. But people have mentioned the production, and I need to talk about that a little bit, because Supergiant is a studio of 20 people, and they made this game in three years. And I think that is something to be like extremely lauded. They used a an early access model through the Epic Game Store to get a lot of feedback on the stories and the way that it was progressing. They did not crunch at any point. They are an extremely employee-first studio. They are unbelievably good. They're absolute paragons of the industry. And uh, they must never be you, bought by EA. Definitely anyone. not Ubisoft. <laughs> Or, they're, uh, they're full indie, and after the I, the I, after like the huge mega hit that Hades was, I can't see them having any problems just continuing into the future. I mean, all of their games are brilliant. It's just Hades is for a lot of people, myself included, the one that like really worked. Um, even some of their voice acting is done in house, or they have like a stable of voice actors that they always contract with. It's it's wild. And then you compare that to you know any other game that came out in 2020 that was uh, had a lot of like awards and a lot of you know let's just arbitrarily say Cyberpunk 2077 that was made over the course of eight years by 500 people and 313 million dollars, and you think how why something is broken in the games industry because they they were so an element of supergiant's production of this was also allowing their employees to experiment with things that's why there's a fishing mini game in hades because one of the people who worked there just went yeah you know i i got some time like they gave me this week to just mess around with whatever i want i'm gonna make a fishing game because that sounds like fun and it's just so there's so that's one reason why there's so much in it is because they were such a, a an employee first company mm-hmm. and I, I 
like saying they're small is not encompassing exactly like how small they are. I put it to you that there is no game that cannot be improved by the presence of a fishing game. (laughs) (laughs) I just wanted to say thank you, Victoria, for bringing that up because that was something I I knew just through the the conversation we're going to have that I knew this was going to come up, but I'm glad you did bring this up because uh, I think that is a very important thing to note about it. Like one of the things that is so great about this game, like just in and of itself, it's awesome. But what an amazing little cherry on top that it's like one of the most ethically made games of like the last, I don't even know how many years, you know, it's extremely (laughs) ethically made, no crunch. They're very, very good on their employees. They give them loads of time. They actually use the early access model in the way that it was kind of originally designed to be used, you know? And I would say just, just as a little side note, as always, please do check out James Stephanie Sterling's uh, little video on the best of 2020, his game of the years for 2020. He goes into a little bit more detail about it, has a lot to say about that very exact thing and always has uh, wonderful commentary about the games industry itself and how Hades is a model of the direction that we would like, sorry, there, the direction that we would like them to go in and not something like an EA or Ubisoft or Blizzard, etc. Absolutely. Um, one other element of the game mechanics that I didn't want to forget to mention, and um, I don't know how far everybody else has got with this, so I'm not going to give any specific details just because I don't want to spoil it for anybody still in the room. Um, but the weapons. Now, you are given six weapons that build up over the course of the the early part of the game and they have a a mechanic that encourages you to mix and match rather than just picking one that you really love which is that uh, every run through a different weapon will have a bonus glow to it which means that any darkness or jewels that you collect with that weapon you get a a 20% bonus on so I really Uh, early on was drawn to experiment with the different weapons and work out which ones I liked. Uh, You have a sword, which is the one that you start with, uh, the Stygian blade. There is uh, the eternal spear, Varatha, a heart-seeking bow, Coronact, a shield of chaos known as Aegis, uh, the twin fists, which are like punchy, punchy gauntlets, which are my favourite... (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> I Me think too, yeah. I love the fact that you can just punch enemies clear across the room. It's very, uh, very cathartic. Um, and then eventually a gun, which is the adamant rail, uh, which is once that's it's the last weapon to be unveiled. And whenever anybody sees you with it or, or refers to it or discusses it, it's always in this tone of that they shouldn't like be yeah. that humans should not have that. That's really not you, that we don't we don't like that. That's not good. Mm-hmm. But my favorite element of it the signifies weapons, a change of 
Absolutely. of the guard. Yeah. Uh, but mm. my favourite aspect of the weapons is that as, as the game progresses, you can uh, power them up. You, you get, from certain bosses, you get um, Titan blood, which you can then use to increase the strength of each weapon. And you unlock different aspects of each weapon. So each of them starts with the aspect of Zagreus, because you're the one who's using it now. And the idea is each of these weapons will kind of bond with the person who uses it and, and take on an aspect of them. If you get all the way to uh, um, the end of opening the, up those aspects and you can do this without fully superpowering each level before it, there's little uh, missions that open up which will allow you to unveil those aspects early and jump straight to them, which I was very appreciative of. Each weapon has as its hidden aspect a god from a different pantheon and I absolutely loved this. So you've got one of them is uh, a god from the Christian pantheon and one is from the uh, Hindu pantheon. And I, I, like I said, I don't want to go into too much detail, but that is worth chasing. I absolutely loved that. One of them, which I will reveal, is the sword, which is the aspect of Arthur. Mm -hmm. And I, that was, I was like, oh, wow. And it's mega super powerful. I like this one. <laughs> you know, it's funny. You went right down that rabbit hole that I was going to go into, Sharon. And now now I don't want to say it because you didn't want to spoil it. But well, I didn't I... know who managed to get all that way. So, And some of them are just like, ah, that's awesome. So when I got to the one with the rail, I just went, oh. Yeah. <laughs> what? <laughs> really? <laughs> um, which, frankly... Um, I actually hate that aspect. I think that aspect is terrible. I do not like. I can't use it. No, I don't. I, I is not Victoria. I can. I can see you. <laughs> no, no. I'm. I'm yelling. It's so hard. Oh, okay. it's so fiddly, yeah, isn't it? Like it's so good. So I'm like, you're not lying. <laughs> um, no, it's so hard. <laughs> um, yeah, I. I stink with it. Uh, honestly, I stink with the blade. I am no good with with the sword. Mm. Um, I, I, yeah, and. and Honestly, give me the give me the furry paws. I mean, duh. <laughs> Makes sense. Furry paws any day, jacked out with that last aspect. I ruin crap with that. I think I I, I ran my best uh, on that. I think I just did eighteen minutes on that uh, one. So. Uh, it's all about the aspect of Zeus with the shield that just stays out like a buzzsaw. That's my go-to one. Yeah. I, I, just, I also I did love it. the shield. Yeah. The bow, you get the triple bow. Ooh, triple mm -hmm. bow is good. And and like you said, the the shield with the final aspect. I did the shield with the final aspect yesterday. I'm going. Ooh, I might have found a new toy because this is. <laughs> I really like the aspect of Hera for carrying off the bow because yeah. it puts your special shot on the on the arrow, and it's just there's so many good like yeah. synergies. But, uh, you, you know, a, a couple. I but I like how Achilles. When you talk to Achilles, like, you know, who is this person? They're like. I don't know. <laughs> they haven't happened yet. I'm just reading this. Is is the bow Koranacht? Yes. Okay. Yeah. I was going to ask, is the Hindu god the bow, and is that Rama? In which yeah. case, yes. Oh. Yeah. I thought you might like that yeah. one. Wait till, you, wait till you get to the end of the rail. You're just going to go. Okay, so who's Fisty McPuncherson? 
Uh, are we? Are we? <laughs> has anybody not seen any of these? By the way, I think we. I think we're going to have to just spoil them because uh, there so are. Fun. But it, I don't care if you spoil them. It's okay. Fine. Okay. So the, the fists. The hidden aspect of the fists is Gilgamesh. Yeah. Oh, nice. Um, the hidden aspect of the spear is Guan Yu. Uh, the hidden aspect of the shield is Beowulf. Yeah. Woo. Which I absolutely adored. And Matt, I'll Stay let you tuned, tell everybody folks. who the hidden aspect of the rail I, I, is. And I, I just wanted, I just want to see Alex's face because he's uh, the hidden aspect of the rail is Lucifer. I was really shocked by that one. Mm. I, I was like, well, that's a hell of a twist. No pun intended. Well, some makes sense to me, mm. considering yeah, I, what the atom, adamant rail is and what it represents, and everybody's kind of like, yeah. ugh, yeah. uh, kind of wary of it, yeah. Mm. Although, yeah. honestly, the design makes me think, Falcon Punch! Yeah, it's it's very birdie. <laughs> yeah. I, I was thinking, like, something Aztec might have been into, but obviously that's... Uh, it would be ironic, since Cortez was like, do you know what this is? It's a gun. <laughs> <laughs> um, Maya. Yeah, so just uh, going off of the the weapon system a little bit, I one thing that I always appreciate in games, not just games like this, but just in general, when you have that level of customization to your gameplay, where you can really like tailor things to your style of playing the game. Oh my God, there are so many options to do that in Hades. It's ridiculous. Um, one of the cool things about the different aspects and going back to Arthur with the Stygian sword for a second it's insanely powerful but it is also very slow so you swing the sword slower a lot of your attacks get slowed way down so it's not always just a super OP like meg like yeah it can be like you were saying like the adamant rail one is a little fiddly and a little hard to work with and that is kind of a, a cool aspect of it as well, is that you could get a more powerful um, side benefit out of it, but the downside may be that it's a little bit slower or it's a little bit harder to handle. So it, there are little like handicaps kind of built into it, which I thought was kind of cool. The adamant rail for me is like, it's a weird one. I don't like using it that much. However, however, there is one thing <laughs> that I found about the Adamant Rail that's great. Um, something that we haven't really discussed yet is that you can actually get boons for your weapons also. Um, you can get the the hammer of, um, of Daedalus, which puts a different, um, it, it, you can customize your weapon in a certain way. So it just gives it a slightly different element. You can do different things with it. There's one aspect of the, the Adamant Rail, which if you get it, makes it like it's a game changer it is one of the most powerful things that you can get for the adamant rail which it turns your special into a rocket launcher and it's awesome you just annihilate everything in your path it is so so cool so i love that you know you could actually end up with something that hey this actually made my run super fun and a lot easier to handle and a weapon that i normally don't like and normally wouldn't choose you know as my first choice this one element, this one change that I made to it, like, just completely made or broke my run mm -hmm. and could just be the, the difference between either getting through at all or getting through in record time or getting you to the point where you can unlock something new, mm -hmm. which I just thought that was a really cool aspect as well. Yeah, the draining slash was that for me. There's a, a, a mm -hmm. bonus that you can put on the sword where it halves your maximum health 
but every time you hit somebody, mm-hmm. you get a tiny little bit of health back. And that was yeah. what enabled me to finally clear uh, Hades and, and get into the the realm beyond Hades. I want to ask a question of the people that know mythology better than I do. It's something that came up where in like some of the side conversation I saw that wondering why it is that Athena is is shown as being so dark-skinned. Is this because that thing that I've been hearing is true and it's based on the fact that Athena was actually borrowed from a Libyan pantheon and so therefore would be dark-skinned? Go for it. Yeah. I know that one of the reasons, because uh, Athena, Dionysus, and Ares are all depicted as people of color. Mm-hmm. Um, Poseidon has like a more dusky complexion as well. The um, the reason that they included that wasn't for um, a mythological re- reason, as far as I'm aware. They did it because th- there were people of color in in mm-hmm. ancient Greece. Uh, like it was it was mainly for the um, representation element of it. And there's actually just. We didn't even get to it. There's just a ton of representation in this game from gay relationships and non-binary individuals. There's big trans feels for a couple of the minor characters. There's polyamorous representation all throughout. And I was going to uh, ask about fact- uh, Orpheus. Actually, um, they struck me as, as as very androgynous straight away. I didn't yeah. I haven't gotten that far uh, with Orpheus. Um, does that Definitely. develop into anything? Uh, or- uh, mainly Orpheus's story is worried more about the um, the relationship and what he did to Eurydice with that old myth. The the biggest trans story that I can pull out of the game is actually with Asterius, somebody who is branded a monster and treated as such until after death he like was allowed to find his true self. Mm-hmm. And there's a reason why Theseus and, and Asterius have trans pride colors in their outfits. Whoa. Um so that's why they pay me the big bucks on this podcast. Anyway, um, Checks are the get paid. But yeah, but no, that, that's that's mainly why they have so much. And, and the the racial representation is primarily within the Olympians because the Chthonic gods are all more of like of a piece, while the Olympians are much more tied to Earth. Uh, so it is it is appropriate that they should represent the people that they are uh, tied to in that respect. So one aspect that we haven't looked at yet, even though we've looked at aspects of weapons, is the music of the game. And it's tied to a very impactful moment for me. And, you know, Supergiant has always done fantastic with her music. Bastion, I still listen to the album that brilliant. Uh, And Transistor is like, it's so tied into their identity that the protagonist of the second game is a singer who has lost her voice. And in this one, you know, you have Orpheus is a big character and even the credits have this song. And it it just has a great sort of impact. And uh, that no clip documentary series, I think, has one video that looks into uh, that shows the aspect of that being uh, put together. But uh, the moment that always hits me, and it hit me so hard the first time, was when you finally get out of Hades and you beat your father and you go into Greece and the it's almost like a two, maybe three part uh, series of tracks that goes from the music of seeing the sunrise that is so reverent. And then 
when you go to Persephone's garden, it dials it back to be a more sort of tender, intimate moment that is just you, even though you went through uh, Elysium, that was meant to be a version of paradise. It, because of your interactions with Patroclus, you know that it doesn't really feel like paradise. I mean, how could anywhere with Theseus in it really be paradise? But um, <laughs> the your interactions with Persephone after all your runs and the way the conversation plays out where she at first doesn't believe you and then event you... I, the portraits in this game will occasionally have a change to a different emotion. Some of them are literally just the one portrait and kudos to the voice actors for making that actually feel much more animated than they really are. Mm. But with Persephone, the transition from her sort of default portrait to her being overcome with emotion, seeing you as this music that is unlike anything else in the game just floors me. But then when you realize what the rest of the game is going to be about, when you realize you can't stay here, as the music is winding down, it feels like you have precious seconds left. And when uh, Zagreus goes back to Hades for the first time and says that he will come back as many times as it takes, I've never really felt as much of a sort of resolve to... I, I've never shared the mission mission of a playable character as much as that moment because it just really shows how precious this is and you know how hard you've had to fight for all of this and you know how little time you'll have with Persephone but even so your Zagreus and because of the way that the music and the whole game up to this point has been put together you know that even if it's for five minutes you're going to go all the way through hell just to have a conversation with your mother. And I think that was a really special moment for me. There are Greek goddesses and gods who were technically imported. For example, in Sparta, uh, the goddess Aphrodite, because it's like Ares and Aphrodite are together, uh, the goddess Aphrodite was considered a war goddess as well as one of love. Okay, and so that's, in that's, certain, that comes off of Ishtar then and stuff. Yes, in certain uh, certain cultures, they they took that quote unquote so that goddess, they split her, um, mm. and one was Athena and one was Aphrodite. The way that the music changes to, especially with the boss boss fights, kind of gives you motivation as well. Yeah, much so, more upbeat that pace and the uh, the excitement to it. Mm -hmm. Musically, Hades is all about that bass. <laughs> Indeed, no treble. Indeed. <laughs> Just a little reminder that if you love School of Movies, you might want to hear more bonus stuff every month. Come along to our Patreon and lay down five bucks. And that gives you access to an archive of what is now more than 230 Patreon-exclusive podcasts. These include 150 roughly half-hour quick review shows of the movies that Sharon and I watch that don't get main events. Recently we've covered Showgirls, Possession, The Wicker Man, Wayne's World 2, Jackass, Over the Garden Wall, Poltergeist 2, Poltergeist 3, the first three Pokemon movies, Charlotte's Web, Don't Look Now, Sheba, Secondhand Lions, two Freaky Friday movies, Freddy Got Fingered, The Master of Disguise, Cats, Neverending Story 2 and 3, 
The island? No, not that one. In fact, let's have a clip of that one. An inert leech just looks like a, a little pickle. Well, no, cocktail pickle. I think, personally, they were pickles. I think they are supposed to be leeches. But I well, they look Michael, like pickles. I reckon Michael Caine went... I'm no, not I'm not having a on. bloody leech on me. So they use Get pickles. pickles. Get me a pickle. <laughs> I want a pan pickle. <laughs> I told you no. It's ridiculous. It's so ridiculous. And then the woman massages him with lard. And that's not including everything we saw in the cinema before lockdown, dating back to 2016. Also, all the Spielberg movies that didn't get main shows. And as if that wasn't enough, we've also been re-watching the entire MCU. We are now up to phase three. On top of that, there's the cutting class shows of all the deleted material and chats and tangents and all the jabbering that goes on that doesn't make the final edit on our week-to-week -week main events. All of that stuff is really fun. It's just unfocused. It works way better as just kind of, you wanna know a little bit more? We got some more. You wanna hear us talking about weird random shit? We got some weird random shit. Complete year in reviews, dating back to 2016. That's where we get together with our friend Paul and we talk about every film we saw that year. And if you're at the $10 level, hey, you get to read all my books before everyone else and access the complete New Century Multiverse audio dramas. And if you're at the $15 level, we give each and every one of you a shout out each week. So thank you from the bottom of our hearts too. Aaron Lecluse, Abel Savard, Alex Outridge, Angus Lee, Benjamin Hoffer, Brian Novak, Cassandra Newman, Chris Finnick, Christopher Wolfe, Kieran Dashler, Connor Kennedy, Dan Mayer, Daniel Salguero, Dan Hepner, Dave Hickman, David Sheely, Duran Barnett, Evan Jankowski, Finbar Nicole, Frankie Punzi, Greg Downing, Jameis Enright, Jesse Ferguson, Joe Crow, Joel Robinson, Johan Clayson, Joe G, Kat Esman, Kevin Vahey, Lorraine Chisholm, Mark Luksh, Matthew A. Siebert, Matthew Webb, Michael Hasco, Sarah Montgomery, Tim Rosensky, Timothy Green, Toby Jungius, Tom Painter, Trey Contreras, and Valencia Burns. Okay, now um, we are rapidly running out of time. So what I'm going to do, there's so much more that we could go into for this game. But yeah, like we could I talk said, about it for four here, or five yeah, We'd more be here hours. all year. Um, and the characters, we've obviously touched on a little bit here and there. Um, but what I'd like to do is, as we sign out, and I'll go through the guest list one at a time, can you tell us... First off, where people can find you when you're not here. And secondly, can you give me a line or two about your favourite character uh, that we haven't already covered in um, in depth? And why, specifically? Yeah, and, and why that person particularly caught your attention. So, uh, Toby, let's start with you. Okay, so you can find me and Greg uh, on Through the Wind or... And on it, we have just recently put out 
Yeah, we have a lot of best episodes, but I think this one was probably our best episode, and it's about a... Well, it was once the latest New Century book, but uh, at the time of... For about a week. (laughs) And now uh, Panther Soul has come out, so we're going to uh, be developing the next News of the Century episode. But um, yes, Through the Window comes out each week. We are essentially a book club for a series you might have heard of, and we talk about a show that a lot of these lovely people, I'm gesturing to the screen, are involved <laughs> in. So if you're a fan of these guys, and why wouldn't you be, please uh, please listen. And also, we've done interviews with pretty much everyone here. Uh, Victoria, we'd love to have you on as an interview sometime. Like, yes. It can be for Hades. <laughs> Victoria helped uh, us develop the world of autumn. I'd say Victoria helped in no Essential. small part with Stone Spring Maidens. So, yeah. Essential. You just talk about that if you, if you want to. Um, uh, yeah, I, I would like to reiterate that um, the episode that, that Greg and Toby did on Stone Spring Maidens is... It felt very much like School of Movies in that they're, they're only really kind of... Because they get many episodes to talk about one book at a time, they get to go for many more hours than we do. But this felt like passionate and concise about something I'd written that I, I just kind of lost track of the fact that I had written it and I was just listening and going like oh, that that's really good yeah yeah oh yeah I did, did write that shit um, but it's just a really splendid show to listen to so even if you just kind of like not all that into New Century this gives it that much more scope so yeah I would consider Through the Wind Door to be essential folks Okay, and Toby, who is your favourite character in Hades and why? Uh, Dionysus, he's pretty chill. Uh, I have several favourite characters, but uh, I've talked for far too long. So, yeah, uh, even when you upset him, he's like kind of like, oh, what's the deal, man? I thought we were bros. And so <laughs> Dionysus uh, you know. is a party dude. He is very much a party <laughs> dude. Most of his boon, like, you're drunk. Go home. <laughs> <laughs> I never said I minded having him on my ass, did I? No. He'd, he'd, I just, it's fine. fine. I just, fine. I wanted Athena's attention. Yeah. <laughs> and Greg. Uh, well, Toby has already done a good job of uh, reminding everybody that Through the Wind Door exists. Not like anyone here would forget. Um, but. Uh, yeah, and I just finished reading Panther Soul last night. So as soon as Toby catches up with that, we're going to have another very spirited conversation about that. And I can't even imagine how I'm going to be able to start processing and parsing down. I'm still feeling very emotional after finishing it in the wee hours of the night last night. Um, you can also find us online we don't post often on twitter but i am at mighty greg doge on twitter and toby as at t Jungius, as well as of course we are very active on the uh school of movies discord so you can find our thoughts on many things there as well on many topics besides just new century but also on video games and other pieces of media as well mm-hmm. I also have many favorite characters, but I have to say that I was finding Eurydice particularly compelling 
because she's just sort of off doing her own thing in one of the most inhospitable places in the underworld. She's Especially for plants. She's yes, in exactly. Fireland. She's, she's a tree nymph, and she's trying to make it inside Asphodel, but, and she's cooking, no less, so she's got a kitchen that's got a lot of heat in it. But she seems happy doing it. She loves sharing her food that she's making. She wants to have appreciative people. And she is very friendly to you, but also pushes back against you when you're like, look, do you want me to try and see if I can resolve things here between you and Orpheus? She's like, no. Have you not been listening to my song this whole time? I'm, I'm kind of like done with this whole thing. But, you know as you open up with her and develop more empathy and rapport with her, you get to eventually help make peace and being able to experience that in the late game is so incredibly gratifying, particularly since it means you get to hear Eurydice and Orpheus sing together. Very true. I I think uh, uh, Eurydice might be my favorite actual design. The fact that her Mm. hair turns into Into a tree tree. is magnificent. Mm. She is beautiful, yeah. Matt, where can we find you, and who is your favorite character? Oh, you can find me a variety of things. (laughs) 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 I'll uh, I'll try and keep... uh, I do a lot of stuff on Twitter. Uh, My personal is Scrapper Ferret, all one word. That's all my personal goofy stuff. Um, I also run Jackal Costuming, also one word, which is where um, all the cosplay stuff uh, that uh, is worked on goes, which I'm actually going to be making into a a full-fledged legal company shortly. Um, So that's a thing. Um, And also, uh, I've taken up streaming, um, which you can find me on Twitch at Scrapper underscore Lock. Um, where I stream, I stream Hades, um, Jackbox, and Among Us, which would be very good to have this crew of people together to do both of those. So I would be more than happy to host uh, either of those. Um, yeah, small following, I think like 152 followers. You know, I mean, I'm, I'm not, I'm not gunning for partner because that's just way too, too far uh, above and beyond. But I like fostering people having a good time so stop by and have fun there um and as for my favorite character uh i, I would have said zagreus because but that's too that's too passe Every, you know uh because there is a lot and um uh, well for me for me i mean a little too on the nose i would say um but even as such um honestly it would be it would be Charon, and uh because one of my big things in life um is yes, Lurch I've... from the Adams family. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> I've been um, dying to say that. I've always enjoyed helping people get to where they want to go in life mm. as someone who wanted to be a therapist but never got to be. Um, that's what I do for, for friends and whatnot. So there is a lot of resonance uh, with Caron to me of getting people to where they need to be in you know in their phase of life so you know there we go (laughs) that's lovely uh loretta where can we find you and who is your favorite character that's supposed to be a secret i know (laughs) (laughs) um i mean right now you can find me in in in, uh my sister's house but um no um 
Now you can find me on Facebook, of course, uh, with uh, my first name, last name at Facebook. I also run the uh, <laughs> the currently uh, very very dusty um, New Century Multiverse Facebook page, which Oof. I really really need to update. You're I'm gonna so have sorry. to do that on your own. I've actually completely yeah, and utterly um, removed Facebook from my computer and all my devices. Yeah, I'm just I've been off so there. remiss in that. I just just send me content, Alex. I will post it. For um, I'm probably gonna post the <laughs> yes. Okay. I've got friends on there. Oh my god. Okay, uh, Also, you can find me. Uh, <laughs> sorry. sorry, that was the cheapest of cheap shots. Do not make me shots. bend me over, bend you Whoa. over my knee and spank you. I will. Okay. You will behave, young man. Okay. Good night, everybody. <laughs> yes, Captain. It just got interesting. <laughs> okay. So, who is your favorite character, Loretta, and why is it Meg? Well, I mean, obviously. <laughs> <laughs> Quiet or mama um, spank. I'm also on Instagram at Sella Loretta. Do not go to Loretta Sella. That is my cousin, and she likes to smoke, and I'm not into her stuff. Oh, um, okay. Yeah, but uh, no, my favorite, actually, my favorites are, uh, um, I've got a few of them. I love Skelly. Skelly's really fun. I like beating, beating him up and talking to him. Um, I love the dog. Cerberus is like, just, I pet the puppy. Um, and <laughs> I love Dusa. I, I love uh, I love talking to her and then watching her run away and then talking to her watching her run away. Um, <laughs> it's it's become like a it's become like a hide and seek game. Like where am I gonna find her this time? Oh, um, and okay. uh, um, yeah, it's it's uh, pretty much a uh, Skelly and Dusa are my my two favorites. And Nix Nix is just thank you. Talking. Someone saying they like Nix. Oh, she's oh, my favorite. Just, it's Oops. so relaxing. Like something in her voice mm. is just like. Mm-hmm. Darkness hey. Mom is amazing. Yes. Yes. Absolutely. That's yes. why I, you know, I haven't even gotten to Persephone and I ship mm. those two, so. Mm. <laughs> okay. Thank you, Loretta. Victoria. <clears throat> I mean, Alex, the game ships the two of them, too, pretty good. It's clearly a three-way relationship, actually. <laughs> oh, my. Zachary is, but... he definitely has two mommies. Everybody funny. Oh, yeah. Um, so you can find me most often here on this podcast. Uh, I am a frequent guest. They keep letting me back in for some reason. And, uh, it's something awesome. to do with raising our profile. Uh, <laughs> just keeping so the quality I, um, up. I don't know. Somebody so I, uh, you can find me on Twitter at uh, Vixen Witch with two V's for the W. And you can actually, it, since Matt mentioned it, I have a Twitch account too, where I very rarely just stream random nonsense. Sometimes it's just phasmophobia with Matt. Uh, and, and that's fun, chasing ghosts around. But recently I've been streaming a lot of weird old cyberpunk games with one of my partners, like um, I Divine Cybermancy and the old Syndicate from 2012. So like- That weird old cyberpunk game is way better than the totally normal new cyberpunk game. I'll tell you that for now. I mean, that's sort of why we've been playing them, like spoilers, but um, we actually have just finished those. But yeah, good times uh, on, on there. I don't stream regularly. I'm not trying for associate or partner or any of that nonsense. Sense. I just do it for funsies, and um, yeah. So that's also at Vixen Witch, where the W is two Vs. Uh, my, I have so many favorite characters. I love Nyx. I love Dusa. Like Dusa, I, I like. It, it's one of those. It's the meme where I've only I've only known Dusa for an hour, but if anything happened to her, I would kill myself and everyone in this room. <laughs> um, so, uh, but but I have to say that my favorite is Artemis, like where I started. I mean, I was practically uh, a worshiper of Artemis when in my youth to begin with, 
and then her depiction of like I'm really not like the other Olympians because they are so obnoxious mm. I'm gonna go hang out in the woods with my pack of feral lesbians and like <laughs> that is just such a mood and that's also straight from the myths I mean and I, I mentioned this to Alex but I'm gonna tell it to everybody else um, I was getting, I, I took a partner to get a tattoo, and while I was there, I was playing Hades while she was getting the inking done, and I was like, hey, now that you're done, you've got a little extra time, if I gave you a hundred bucks, could you put something quick on a knuckle? And I got, um, I got an arrow on my knuckle, because I had a really good Artemis run while nice. I was waiting, and it was just like, this seems good. I also got a nice, a nice moon, but... Little little Nick's on one side, little. But um, yeah, Artemis is my girl. (laughs) And finally, Maya. Uh, Hello. You can find me on Twitter at Maya Santandrea. You can also find me on Instagram at The Stunt Lady. Uh, Previous episodes of this podcast, which I've been on a a fair few times now, amazingly, uh, we had a wonderful wonderful discussion about Wonder Woman 1984 that also (laughs) features Victoria where we screamed and cussed a lot and it was very cathartic and I highly recommend that episode you must renounce Um, your wish Maya I will kill everybody (laughs) Um, I will also be on an upcoming episode on a a commission show one that I commissioned and uh, am I allowed to say oh yeah yeah yeah. please okay it's it's Return to Oz it's Return to Oz I love this movie we had a great discussion about it I can't wait for it to come out so be on the lookout for that since we are also talking about a video game I would also mention, uh, this is going back a few years, but if you go to the back catalog of the video game podcast, Kane and Rinse, you can hear me discuss pretty much my two favorite games of all time, which are Undertale and Final Fantasy VI. I was a guest on both of those shows. And speaking of Kane and Rinse, if you are interested in the music of Hades, a few weeks ago, their sister show, Sound of Play, featured an interview with Darren Korb, the composer and one of the voice actors of the game. So, little plug for them as well. Uh, Sound of Play goes into video game music, and they interviewed the composer for Hades recently. Uh, As far as favorite character, I don't know why, but I'm always drawn to these very weird, like, esoteric characters that just... You really have to work at getting to what their deal is. It's the murder one, one the reasons, isn't it? Yeah, which is one of the reasons why I love Chaos so much. But I'm going to go back to uh, this this wonderful person named Thanatos. I, I freaking love this guy. I, I don't know why, but show me a moody, sensitive, kind of sarcastic bastard who looks like the Grim Reaper. And give me... I am so on board. I don't know why that is. But, I mean, just playing through the thing, I didn't even know he was a romance option. And I was like, I don't even care. I'm going to try anyway and just see what happens. Because why wouldn't I? He's amazing. And then, turns out, he is an option. Bonus. So that was really cool. Um, I think it's adorable how he starts out and you don't really know. Like, I honestly didn't know if he was actually there to help me or not. I honestly didn't know if he was friend or foe. It's like, is he fighting with me? Am I supposed to fight him? I really don't know. Then it turns out he's actually really quite worried about 
you as you go through the thing and cares about you very much and that's kind of why he's an asshole to you a bit but I love how when you develop your relationship with him how much he opens up and you do see a, a very different side of him where he cares very much for you and just doesn't want to see you get hurt and wants you to be happy and I found that very heartwarming and adorable so I stand fan nice. all the way. Yeah, isn't nice. it obvious he wants you? He's giving you hearts, mm. and you keep eating them. <laughs> that is very true. Okay, and I am going to close out then with my favorite. And I'm just going to say this is not my absolute favorite character. My straight two favorites are uh, Nyx and Persephone for various reasons. Um, mm. Just the fact that we've got maiden mothers and crones passing around hand over fist in this and it's wonderful um but i'm actually going to refer to a, a character who features in one of my favorite moments of storytelling in the game and it's patroclus now mm. when achilles first mentioned in conversation that there was somebody that he cared about greatly but he couldn't be with anymore because he was stuck down here I I kind of had an inkling because I'm nowhere near as much of an expert as uh, somebody like Victoria but I do have um, a fair um, amount of experience with Greek myth and Achilles and Patroclus being lovers was something that I, I did know about and on the first time that I actually got through Elysium Oh, that's who that guy is, the I, one who gives you jerky. Yeah. I walked through the door, and I saw this guy sat down on the floor, nursing his foot, and I burst into tears. <laughs> because I knew straight away who it was, and I really, really hoped that there would be some way that I could help to reunite these two. And it's, it's moments like that that are woven throughout this story. You may not get all of them. You may get only, you know, only some. Some may not mean as much to individuals as they do to other people. It doesn't matter. The fact that this is so sprawling, the fact that it has so much, so many layers, so many details, that you get to piece together what is of import to you. And that, for me, is absolutely the appeal of this game and why I would suggest it has been so incredibly popular, so incredibly successful, and well-deservedly so. The amount, the sheer deluge of... Patroclus and Achilles fan art. Yeah. I thought so. Oh, my Lord. (laughs) So tender. (laughs) There's a great video that I'll uh, send on discord wherever which someone has done a little animation test of the audio of achilles finding out that zagreus encountered patroclus for the first time and the animation of that was great because it made me appreciate just the performance of that moment where you even hear the uh, voice actor his voice break at the end of the line where he says is he all right and it just uh, Mm. uh, oh my heart Mm. um i'm also just going to throw it in there because i've had a list of all the characters and i've been gradually ticking them off as we've brought them up and and mentioned them even if it's just in passing and there is one person that nobody has mentioned and that is i know uh the one uh fury that isn't to yeah the middle one is like this (laughs) electo (laughs) and i I wasn't going to say anything because she is probably my least favourite. I don't really even know why. I'm just not wildly keen on her. Yeah. 
Oh, she's the worst. She is absolutely the worst. Give me Meg or Tisiphone any day. Mm. Fuck Electo. She is she is tough to go up against. But anyway, okay, so that's everybody. Now we have literally name-checked everyone in this game. So We're still going to get messages going, I can't believe so you so. didn't talk about this person. They're my fave. Justice for Love Hermes. What about the cook? What about oh, the, the, the... Oh, the trader, the yeah, okay. The green no, 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 we're out of time, we're out of time, we're out of time. Okay. Cool. okay. This is how this episode should end, is us devolving into... <laughs> what about this version? What about, what about that part? Okay. The angry Greek... Chorus, absolutely. Okay, so thank you everybody so so much. We've it, I was I will be honest, I was really, really, really nervous about doing this show because of so many people, because obviously I was gonna have to lead because I'm the one who's got all the experience in the game, for which I regret nothing. Um but but just you know, we don't normally do it on camera and I was like Oh God, I, I'm going to get distracted and I'm going to get nervous and I'm going to forget what to say. So thank you all for being so awesome. You were all great. Really You did an amazing job, on. Sharon. Thank you very much. <laughs> well done. Okay. Thank you. Uh, well, that's all for us till next week. I've been Alex Shaw. I've been Sharon Shaw. Just say that one more time because you really have been Sharon Shaw this week. <laughs> <laughs> I've been Sharon Shaw. And School's Out. Next week, WandaVision. And to finish, let's listen to the Hades-themed song Beyond These Walls by Gavin Dunn, The Miracle of Sound. Taste